Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of your word this morning to bring freedom and liberty and joy and praise to your name, Lord God. This, is, this, this morning is not about us, it is about you. <clears throat> I thank you that as we have worshipped, as, as we've praised, as we've celebrated together, as we've taken communion, I thank you, Lord God, that it's about remembering who you are and what you've done. I thank you that this is an opportunity again for you to shine and for your word to come alive in the hearts of your people. And I pray that transformation happens, that we are different as a result of hearing and listening and sitting under your word, that you, Holy Spirit, implant that word into our spirit, and that it grows like a seed and produces great fruit to give you glory and honor for in Jesus' name this morning. And everyone said, Amen, Amen. Why people follow Jesus. I'm continuing on with that theme. I've just had this bee in my bonnet about this whole theme about why we are following Jesus. There was an Australian, he phoned the ambulance service because his mate had been hit by a car. The Aussie says to the emergency service operator, get an ambulance here quick. He's bleeding from his nose and his ears and I think both of his legs are broken. The operator says, well, what's your location, sir? He says, well, I'm on Eucalyptus Street. And the operator says, how do you spell that, sir? And there's just heavy breathing on the phone. And after a moment, the operator says, uh, how do you spell the street name, sir? More heavy breathing and then some grunting going on as well. And after a minute, the operator says, how do you spell the street name, sir? And this goes on for several minutes. And the operator finally says, look, sir, are you still there? Can you hear me, sir? Please answer me. And finally, the Aussie says, uh, sorry about that. I couldn't spell eucalyptus, so I dragged him down to Oak Street. <laughs> it's a joke. Just, some of you are looking at it, really, is that true? Relax, it's okay. It's just a story, just a story. I want to tell you that laughter is a massive stress reliever. Many of us have had, likely had moments where we have laughed so hard that we've doubled over and fallen off of our chair. Or maybe we've been halfway through a drink and someone said something so funny that our drink came out of our nose. Anyone? You had that? Like it just... I mean, it wasn't a good look, but it was just a really funny moment. I I remember like in uh, my previous job as a policeman, what we used to do, like when we had a spare moment, uh, just to try and relax, get a bit of morning tea or some afternoon tea, we used to go down to the St. Kilda boat ramp, and that's over on the other side of the city. And what we used to do was to go out there and to watch all the idiot boat owners put their boats in the water, because it was always funny to watch the one boat owner who forgot to hang on to the tether line and see his boat just just drift out into the middle of the channel. Or the bloke that you know, just didn't have a tether line and suddenly he's starting to get stretched out over the water because the, the boat's going further and further away from where it needed to be and end up in the drink. I remember one of my, my partners, we used to go for an iced coffee and, and the old police cars, what they used to have was they had the dashboard there, then they had the little hump over the steering wheel and there was just this little area on the right-hand side where the, one of the speakers was. And it was just the right size that you could get a good iced coffee, like the 600 mil iced coffee. It had fit just there. My partner's driving. I'm sitting in the passenger seat just enjoying my iced coffee and donut because that's what cops eat, all right? So he's, he, he gets his iced coffee, picks it up, and it's already open because he's already had one little drink out of it. And as he's brought it forward, the bottom of the iced coffee's caught on the steering wheel and he just poured it <laughs> into his lap. I've never laughed so much in my life. Oh, I thought that was gold. 
He has, he's had to go home and change his strides. I've left there. I'm just sitting in the passenger seat. No, I wasn't. But, you know, there's another time. I was a, a police cadet. I'm learning how to be a policeman. Uh, and uh, I was in the back seat of the police car, and we're driving down the main street of, of Mount Gambia because I did a posting down there. And, I mean, these guys in the front seat, they're policemen. They're real policemen. They're looking cool, suave, and sophisticated. They've got the whole thing happening. They're looking really good. They've got the hand on, on, arm on the windowsill just looking at the people as they're driving past like this. And it's a warm day, so the window is open, and he's got sunglasses on there. A fly buzzes in. And it goes around, like this. and this, the cop in the passenger seat just goes whack like that, and out goes his sunglasses out the window. <laughs> I think you're not looking suave now. <laughs> I didn't say that, of course, because I was just a cadet and I was just learning how to be a. Pl- Trust me, when you're having a belly laugh, it's really hard to be uptight when you're laughing. And, and laughter is like the Bible says: laughter is a good medicine. It's, you can't be uptight and and you know laughing at the same time. It's guesstimated that a child laughs 400 times a day. Now, I haven't counted. Okay, you're just going to have to take my word for it. All right, but, but an adult laughs only 15. Did you know that you're halfway through your quota for this morning? Three quarters, Three quarters now. That's right. Why is that? Why, why is it that, that we're suddenly, we've, we've lost our joy as adults. We've lost the ability to laugh at life. We're, we're taking ourselves way too seriously. We're taking life sometimes way too seriously. Now, sometimes life does need to be taken seriously, but sometimes, you know what? We just need to laugh. Mark Twain said this, laughter is the greatest weapon that we humans possess, and it's the one that we use the least. God says in his word that a joyful heart is like good medicine. He's given us a prescription for joy. This is the thing that I've noticed about life. Jesus saw things from a different perspective. He had an heavenly or an eternal perspective. Jesus came to this world and the world has never been the same since. And now millions of people worldwide follow Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Why do people follow Jesus? Why do people follow Jesus? Could it be that one of the reasons that people follow Jesus is because there is a joy that's found only in Jesus? There's a joy that you can only find in the Son of God. Could it be that He knows something that we don't or something that we may be forgotten about God? The very reason for our existence, the reason of our birth, was simply that God created us for His pleasure. God enjoys His creation. You are created in the image of God, and God enjoys you. He gets pleasure out of you and your life, your family, the things that are happening in your world. He gets pleasure from you. It says in Revelation 4.11, God created all things. Everyone say all things. I'm a part of all things. I'm a part of all things. God created all things for His for his. So did you know that also joy is a characteristic of the kingdom of God? It says in Romans 14 verse 17, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. And I said this this morning, oh, I'm in trouble already. I thought it was all about eating and drinking, but it's not. 
It says the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And this is how I explain this. There's, there's a progression here. The kingdom of God is about being in a right place with God, in the right space with God, in, in right relationship with God. As a result of being in right relationship with God, His peace is released into our life. We're no longer at war or enmity with God. We're in right relationship with Him. We've got this peace that happens to us. And as a result of having that peace, there is joy, baby. There is joy. I can have joy because I'm in the right space with God. I mean, I've got his peace flooding through my heart. And it's, that peace comes about not as a result of the external circumstances. Likewise, the joy. It's not because everything's happy on the outside, but there is a joy that wells up from me on the inside. You want a good explanation of what joy is? Listen to last week's sermon with Pastor Shale talking about joy. Great message. Download it. Listen to the podcast. Frame his picture. Pray for him. You know what? Jesus wept and Jesus laughed. Did you know that? Could you ever imagine Jesus laughing? I mean, in Matthew eleven nineteen, there's these people. They accuse Jesus of being a wino. He just laughs it off. In Psalm 2, verse 4, the Bible tells us that God laughs at his enemies. God laughs. <laughs> really? You thought you were going to beat me with that? He laughs at his enemies. What is it about Jesus that made people drop everything and follow him? What did the fishermen leave their nets for and follow Jesus? Why did, they do, why did Levi, the tax collector, leave his tax collecting booth, a, a source of regular, abundant income because he was ripping people off? Why did he leave that to follow Jesus? There was something obviously different about Jesus. People wanted to be near him, to catch his spirit, to learn his secret, to share in his joy and join in what he was doing. When Jesus showed up, joy was often the result of him showing up. As an example, there was joy at the tomb of Lazarus when he was raised from the dead. If they wept when he cried, think of the celebration when he walks out of that tomb. There was joy in that family because they thought that the person that they'd lost was suddenly walking out there and he walked out and there was joy in the camp. There was joy when the leper returned to thank Jesus. Nine of them didn't come back. They might have had joy, but they, there was joy that came back and was, was centered around Christ. There was joy when the woman who was caught in the act of adultery was forgiven and released from her sin and the death sentence that she deserved. There was joy when the deaf heard. There was joy when the blind saw. There was joy when someone who couldn't walk suddenly had strength in their bones and their legs and they walked free. There was joy when the, the children flocked around Jesus. Can you imagine that? All the kids coming in and, and, and there's just great joy. And Jesus said, don't stop them. For this is the reason that I came and stuff like that. You know, there's joy that happens when, when Jesus is around. There was joy when the boy gave his lunch and thousands were fed. There was joy when Jesus stood up in the boat and he stopped the storm. And there was joy when dawn broke and the, the women saw that the stone had been rolled away and Jesus had been risen from the dead. There was joy when Jesus showed up. Everywhere that Jesus went, there was joy. There was a, a, just something happened on the inside. 
He released joy. Jesus even had a sense of humor. He says to the teachers of the law that it's like, you talk to them, you're like straining a gnat. Or you're like swallowing a camel, you know, like getting stuff going. He says, these people are like the blind leading the blind. And he says, like, let the dead bury their dead. And he, and he says, you know what? The kingdom of God is like this, this person that put a lamp under a bed. Jesus isn't playing with their head. He's just he's making light of illustrations. He, he, he's just having fun. He's enjoying himself. Jesus was a man of joy. And that's why, you know, that Jesus, when he called the fishermen by saying, follow me, they didn't waste a minute. They dropped everything and they took off after Jesus. So why did people follow Jesus? What attracted them to him? Was it his commanding appearance? Was it his impressive voice of authority? I can imagine if Jesus was here today, he'd be doing the voiceovers for Channel 9, for the great uh, movies that are coming up. Uh, Coming up on Sunday night. (laughs) Maybe I'm the only one who thought that. Okay. That was funnier in my head. (laughs) What? Was it the tempting prospects that Jesus set out for his disciples? Hey, guys, got a great deal for you. You're going to stay in the five-star stables when you come walking with me. Five-star stables. None of this two-star stuff. You come Five-star stables with me. Was it that? In, did he just in, you know, like say to these guys and paint a great picture of what it was going to be like to follow him? You know, what about the, the did he suddenly say to the fishermen, you know, the, the fishing industry is just going backwards right now. Uh, uh, the pork market, that's gone. It's just, it's not happening anymore. But there's stuff, it's just, not, the, the fishing, it's just not going to happen. You've got these great big crawlers happening, you know, like through the Sea of Galilee now. It's just not, you know, it's not going to happen, you know. So did he do that? No. Or was it something else? What was it about Jesus that caused these people to suddenly drop everything and follow him? And I believe that there's only one answer. And that answer is this. That in Jesus, there was a love and a life that was irresistible. Absolutely irresistible. In Jesus, there was a love and a life that was irresistible. People wanted to be near him. To catch his spirit. To do what he was doing for other people. To learn his secret. In Mark chapter 12 verse 37. We see Jesus is is in this uh, temple courts. And he's teaching at this particular time. And he's saying some stuff to them. And and it says in the last part of this verse. The large crowd listened to him with delight. When Jesus spoke there was delight that happened. Many accepted the good news of the kingdom that he preached without realizing who he really was. Why is that? Because Jesus released who he was. Jesus is good news of great joy. The the angel himself declared that when he announced the coming birth of Christ or that Jesus had just been born in in Bethlehem. He is good news of great joy. Nehemiah says this, Nehemiah 8 verse 10, he says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. What does that even mean? The joy of the Lord is your strength. What what is the joy of the Lord? Well, joy is the relationship that we have with God. There's joy to be had in our relationship with God. It's His joy in us through the person of the Holy Spirit. 
It's, it's the enjoyment of the goodness of God. It's his favor, his blessing. It's being a part of his family. He made us a joint heir with Christ. We're not just a hanger on. We're not just a step kid. We're a part of, of the, the family of God. We've been adopted in with all the rights and privileges that Christ has got. We have been given and partake of as well. We are joint heirs. We are partakers of the divine nature. People follow Jesus because there is joy in God's word. The Psalms overflow with joy at the goodness of God. We see different expressions or different forms of the word joy. There's joyous, enjoy, delight, gladness, exuberance. Boy, I wish I could get excited. There's delight, there's, there's jubilation. Did you like that? Jubilation. That's very English, wasn't it? Very English. We can read declarations and praise and thanksgiving in the Psalms like, Shout for joy! That must be the church down the road. Okay. Praise Him with a clash of cymbals. Oh, I wish I had some cymbals right now. Praise Him with the tambourine and dancing. I can... Hey, hey. Don't clap, just throw money. It's good. Make music to him. Praise him, sun and moon. My heart leaps for joy. You ever had that? It just leaps for joy. Just imagine how your heart's going to leap for joy when he reads your name in the Lamb's book of life. He says, you've made it. You are always going to make it. I was with you every step of the way. I was for you and not against it. I was always greater in you than whatever you went through. You were always destined to be with me. Imagine your heart leaping for joy when you hear that. How good could that be? Like hear from Jesus, you were always mine. My heart leaps for joy. The hills are clothed with gladness. I'd like to see that. Have you ever seen the wildflowers when they come out in bloom? Oh, now there's a picture. Don't worry about hugging a tree. Go and look at a field that's got full of flowers. It's great. The valleys, they shout for joy and they sing. Proverbs 17.22 says, A cheerful heart is good medicine. Zephaniah 3.17 says this, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take Delight in you with gladness, with his love, with his love. Let me say that again. With his love, he will calm all of your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Christ rejoices over you. He sings over you. Sings songs of joy. He doesn't sing words of discipline or words that's going to bring you down or give you a bad day. He sings for joy over who you are and, and, and over your life. The New Testament is also full of the joy of the Lord too. People laughed, they skipped, they leapt, they shouted, they danced, they sang, they celebrated. Jesus shows up at a wedding. And they're, they're pretty downcast. They're sort of like, going, you know, it's not working out how we thought it was going to work out. Jesus shows up, turns water into wine, and suddenly there's a celebration. That messes with your theology about drink. Oh, I'll leave that with you. 
How about this? In Acts chapter 2, verse 13, during the days after Pentecost, the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and praising God and having such a good time that everyone thought they were drunk. You know what? Even in hardship, in the challenges of life, in persecution that comes upon Christians today, there is joy to be had. Acts chapter 13, verses 49 to 52 says this. The word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region, but the Jews incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust from their feet in protest against them, and they went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with depression and anxiety and worry because they had been kicked out of a region that they weren't welcomed in. Oh, come on, someone say, that's not right, Pastor Gary. (laughs) What does it say? They were filled with the joy and with the Holy Spirit. Here's here's one that will mess you up as well. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. This this gets right in your face. Consider it not just joy. No, 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 no. Pure joy. He says, consider it pure joy. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. In other words, some people give up way too early. You're fighting for something, you're praying for something, you're believing for something. It might be a physical thing, it might be a relational thing, it might be something that you're just praying for and you give up too early because it's too hard to keep fighting. It's too hard to keep believing. Well, if you want to know about perseverance, ask Noah how long he had to keep building the boat for when God had given him a word. 120 years, roughly, I think. How long did Abraham have to wait before the fulfillment of the son that God had promised to him by which he would become the father of many nations? Sometimes we give up way too early. And this pure joy, when we face this stuff, we know that we're going in the right direction because the enemy's coming against us. How could you think that you're ever going to get that from God? Did you remember what you did last night? Do you remember what you did this morning? Do you remember what it is that, that you just messed up? Your thinking's wrong. You didn't you know, do whatever. The enemy comes against you and you're believing for this stuff. And you think, what's the point? And you walk away. And you know what? Suddenly, there's no pure joy. We've got no perseverance to last the distance. And God says it's pure joy when this stuff comes against you because something's being developed inside of you. God wants to develop stuff inside of us. He wants a Christ-like nature within each and every one of us. How bad would it have been if Jesus is there in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's looking at the cross and he says, this is all too hard and walks away. Where would we be today? But for the joy of the cross set before him. From Genesis to Revelation, there are over 542 references to joy. There's 105 alone in the Psalms. The gospel is a message of love that is soaked in joy. 
Isaiah 55 verse 12 says, You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst forth into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. That's pretty good, isn't it? I love the descriptive language that the Bible gives us. I mean, you know, you're driving down a street, and all of a sudden you see these trees going... There's leaves flying everywhere, twigs going off in the thing. You've got your windscreen wipers off because all the leaves are coming down. How good would it be? I'm just Maybe I'm the only one who thinks that's pretty good. Isaiah says, put on the garment of praise. Christians should be some of the most joyful people on the planet of the earth. We should be some of the most joyful people on the planet of the earth. You know, sometimes I... See my grandkids and I see some people walking around. Are you okay? You're doing well? Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. Well, how about let, let your face know? As the message got through, let your face know that you're in a good mood. Okay, maybe not. All right. Did you know that love is the first fruit of the Spirit? Do you know what the second one is? What is it? What is it? What is it? You sure? Love, joy. Who knew? When we confess our sin and ask Jesus to help us turn from it, he touches us and says, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven and your faith has made you whole. Welcome to the kingdom of God. John 15 verse 11, when Jesus is talking about the the vine and the branches and stuff, these things have I spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full what is it that we really want in life church what brings us joy is it jobs is it better jobs is it houses cars boats spouses children fixed income health security fame notoriety wardrobes jewelry what we all want is love and the joy that comes with it We want love. We want to be loved and we want to be able to express love to people around about us. And that brings with it joy. And it's more than simple human joy that we're seeking. It is the joy of knowing Jesus. The joy of knowing Jesus. Jesus came to bring us joy. And it is for a future joy that he went to the cross But he's no longer on that cross. I want to tell you that the tomb is empty, church. It's it's no no one's in there. He's gone. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father right now. And we can have joy because we know that he's defeated death. And if he's defeated death, he said that the things that I've done, you're going to do greater. We've defeated death as well. And we have to walk through that door at some point unless God tarries and we're caught up in the air with him. But you know what? He's defeated death. We don't need to fear it anymore. You know, we can't talk about joy without talking about the shout. There comes a time when due to the goodness of Almighty God, we simply have to burst out in joy. We have to let that song rip. We, I loved worship this morning with Luke and Haley and, and Cheryl up, up on the stage just going for it. You know, there was something in the air of which we all should be aware. That was a golden oldie song right there if anyone knows, knows the sweet, okay? You missed it. You missed your... Joshua chapter 6. 
the walls of Jericho. It was with a shout of joy that the walls came tumbling down. Joy is an integral part of our relationship with God. The joy of the Lord rises above circumstances and it focuses on God. The joy of the Lord isn't momentary, it's constant. It stays and it weathers the shocks and the storms of life because God always stays with us. He's in the storm too. Just need a drink. Mate, this is the rush home now. This is downhill, I'm landing this baby. how is joy expressed okay how is joy expressed the bible says joy is expressed through laughing dancing singing clapping leaping and with shouting but can i tell you also that joy is expressed with a single tear that comes from the eye of someone who's so in love with god and appreciative and grateful for what god has done comes at the end of a time where the breakthrough has finally come and all you see is this tear and you know that there is a heart full of joy did you know that joy is expressed in the faintest of smiles it's just the it's the the, the whisper of a smile that comes jesus himself tells us what will happen if we stay silent about who he is He's on his way into Jerusalem. There are people chucking stuff down on the ground for him to follow as he's walking into Jerusalem. And there's some people that get cheesed off with this display of the adoration and the praise of Jesus as he comes in. And it says this. It says in Luke 19 verses 37 to 40. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They're shouting and praising. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he says, Jesus says, I tell you this, if they keep quiet, the rocks and the stones are going to cry out in their behalf. You can't stop a shout of joy and praise to God. Creation itself will rejoice over who Christ is. There isn't just one way to express joy. We can express joy in the multiplicity of ways that we can also reveal the love of God to our world. There is so many ways that we can express our joy. We may not be feeling the love today and finding it hard to have joy. But can I have encourage you this morning to fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12.2 says, let us Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Just like Jesus, let's not focus on the cross, but rather on the resurrection. Okay, we we can acknowledge the cross because we know that it's there, because without the cross, there is no resurrection. We we need to see through our challenges and struggles. We need to see through our pain. We need to see through our poverty and sickness. I'm going to ask for Zach. And I need, uh, don't mind if I use Peter. Peter uh, and Ian. Okay. And I'm also going to need um, 
I reckon I'm going to need. Who's about the same height as Peter? Matthew. Okay, so if I can have Zach just here, Peter in the middle, and then if I have Matthew just here, right? So Ian's just over there for the moment. Okay? Actually, I'm going to swap you two over. Okay. You see, because th this is the last day and I didn't want to say it like this. Matthew's, Matthew's the problem. <laughs> okay. I just thought through what I was doing, it's all right. Because <laughs> he's not the problem. <laughs> Matthew's the problem. Pe Peter sees Matthew as the problem. Okay? But the thing is, sometimes, because if you're, you're facing that way and, and you're facing this way, okay? Zach here is on the other side of the problem. He is, he's God. <laughs> see, see, Zach is God. And sometimes the problem becomes bigger than our God. We can't see God because all we can see is the problem. The issue comes in how we see our God. Can I just swap you two over, please? Just come forward a bit. Thanks, Ian. It's all about perspective. All of, a, all of a sudden, when God gets bigger, more capable, stronger, well able to do the things that we're believing him to do, suddenly the problem starts to shrink. Now, that's the same problem. That's, it's the same problem. He's the same problem with the same thing that we're still facing. But our God got bigger. And all of a sudden, the problem doesn't look as intimidating. Can we give these guys a hand? I want to tell you, Matthew is not a problem. He's an incredible gift to God. God loves him. Loves that lovely head he's got. Does that make sense? Because listen to this. Listen to this. In two, this is not in the PowerPoint. I felt this this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 to 18 says this. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. When we see God more than we see our problem, there will be joy. And even if you can't see God bigger than your problem, joy is still there to be accessed. Because God is right there with you. He's not on the other side of your problem. He's with you walking towards himself. Because God is outside of time, outside of space, whilst occupying space. There is a joy that we can have. There will be great joy when Christ returns from heaven with a shout of victory. With the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. Can you imagine when you hear that trumpet blast, you'll know that it's the call to go home. This is not our home. Heaven is our home. 
The presence of God is our home. There is a joy to be had. That's why people follow Jesus. Because of who he is and all he's done for us. Let's stand. I'm done.